You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome everyone to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are the show that is here for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper into life than you may do on your own. We're offering you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. I'm Callie Alpert in the central Hudson Valley, New York, with my friend and co-host, spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. Hello, Callie. Hello, Steve. Guess what? What? I'm thinking of starting meditation today. (laughs) The world would be a better place if you finally meditated. Thank you. It's taken a lot. We'll get into that. (laughs) so beautiful segue thank you our show today your daily practice and when we think about practice it's it's a word that's used a lot it seems like everybody and their mother has a practice you know we meditate we were mindful all these things so we're all trying to be committed to our daily practice right we meditate you listen to mindfulness apps, you visit your local yoga studio or your online YouTube guru regularly. I know I've been doing that a lot, especially since COVID. Who, but your, do you, who is that, Callie? Are we going to give a shout out to Yoga by Adrian? Yoga oh, by Adrian. Yeah. Okay, I'm just shouting out for Muji. Oh, okay. Well, Muji on the, you mean the um, his YouTube on videos, YouTube. like the content. Yeah. Well, we have lit, long lists of things that we could suggest to people. Um, and I thank her every time I do a course. I thank her and I thank trainer Teddy from Planet Fitness because they've kept me company during COVID Love dearly. Um, but the question becomes, which is what prompted the show today, do you approach your daily practice with a level of mindfulness that reminds you why you took it up in the first place or has it just become sort of a rote habit? Not that that's you know necessarily a bad thing. Um, or are you looking to start out? Are you looking for the right incentive to become, uh, to begin a practice for the first time? So today we're going to discuss the nuances of daily practice, the benefits of having one, and offer up some fresh ways to take your practice to the next level. So if you'd like to join us today and you want to talk about your practice, if you have some new ideas for practices you'd like to share with our listeners, or if you have any questions or need some guidance, the number is 816 816- Two five one three five five five. We would love to hear from you, as we always do. Um, so let's start with the bare bones, shall we? Um, the types of practices. What are like the the real fundamental different types of practices that people tend to adopt? Okay, let me just. Uh, here's my disclaimer. I've been meditating since I was I don't know twenty two. Like mm-hmm. 40, over 40 years at least. Mm-hmm. I forgot when I started. It was so long ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started practicing transcendental meditation. Right. And through the years, I've added to my practices. I still do that. And I think it's incredibly effective. But I've added to my practices. I studied at Naropa Institute in, in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned mindfulness meditation. So we've got two so far. Uh, I studied yoga uh, with Swami Sachidananda in New York and Riverside Drive, which was a lot of fun. So we've got three so far. We've got yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. Right. Those are the three key pillars, probably the most popular pillars. And then, of course, um, I've studied yogic breathing, breath of fire and pranayama. Mm -hmm. And uh, breathing would be maybe the fourth. Right. It's usually an adjunct to the other three. And then, of course, there are interesting practices that most people don't really know about. But 
I studied with Don Miguel Ruiz for three years, mm-hmm. and they were interesting, what they're called Holtec practices. Uh, he's the author of, most famously, The Four Agreements, just for reference. Four Agreements, and uh, I think he has a new book out about the actor. Mm-hmm. Right? The actor in your story, yep. So those are the uh, four that I'm thinking about. What, mm-hmm. Which ones are you thinking about? Um, the same. I mean, you know, for me, um, meditation is always is is my most uh, primary go to and the one um, that I am the most committed to. Uh, mindfulness also, when I am mindful about being mindful, and I remember. <laughs> Um, But I would say that goes hand in hand with meditation. I think mindfulness definitely increases and or intensifies or gets fortified when you meditate because it all has to do with sort of being present and still. Um, And yoga for me is something that I've really struggled with um, because I always thought it was something I was supposed to do and all the reasons and virtues for why it's so healthy for you and such a great part such an important ingredient to a to a daily practice but I also struggled I took me 20 years to even find I think I tried dabbling in my 20s and I just could not stick with it I couldn't find a teacher that I jived with my body's still to this day really uncomfortable doing it it rarely feels good until afterwards when I'm happy that I did it but it's not something that you know for the most part is a comfortable thing for me and so I've been on and off with that for decades and then recently only at the end of last year my body literally started asking me for it so that's why Adrian gets a shout out today because I was looking for online courses during covid and um and I still do that in the morning with her often on youtube um one of you know she's one of many online teachers there's so so many variety um i think some people would consider prayer to be part of a daily practice right i mean there's no I right would or say wrong. A- absolutely right yep uh, and um and i think We've probably mentioned the the key ones. You know, again, it depends on how you define practice. Some people would say, I think you might have mentioned this the other day when we were talking about the show, that exercise can be considered a daily practice. Absolutely. Right. For a lot of people, when they get into running or biking or something that's a um, mm-hmm. like a steady, more zen-like movement, mm-hmm. you can get into a, a, a state of some version of transcendence, transcendence or stillness. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Um. So I'd say those are the ones that are probably the primary ones, right? Have we missed anything? I think we got them all. So those are the ones we're talking about today. Uh, How to get back into it if you've missed it for a while. I can tell you that um, I started practicing yoga when I was in college at NYU. And I did it faithfully and religiously every day for 25 years Mm -hmm. and then i just couldn't stand it anymore and i gave (laughs) what happened what switched that you loved it and then you couldn't stand it well i i it wasn't that i didn't love yoga my body was tired it was like having too much chocolate (laughs) it was really tired of all the postures Hmm. wanted to do something new like let's go bike riding Uh Mm -hmm. you know let's run up a hill Mm -hmm. So I stopped doing it for about 15 years, I think. And then one day when I was at eating at a restaurant and I got up and my legs were wiggly, kind of stiff, my knees were stiff. And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have to go back to yoga. And then of course I started doing yoga. My knees have never been stiff again. Wow. So, yeah, it really does have such an amazing cumulative effect on so many levels. Like I've never experienced, you know, I know some people, especially if you're on more of a rigorous plan or like when you, you know, when people go and study with masters in different countries and you're on a series, we'll talk about this a little later about like your, one of your more rigorous um, sort of meditation retreat lifestyles, right? Uh where they're all like they all work in concert with each other you know fasting and mindfulness and meditation and yoga and you can have some very powerful experiences that's never been the thing but i know it's good for me and so i try to do it and i still do it a few times a week and still struggle through it 
Um, the meditation piece for me, I used to be, when I first started getting really committed, I grew up with a mother who's, who did transcendental meditation for, twice a day religiously. And I was always this big mystery and I was always fascinated by it. Um, and then when it came to me, um, in the last like few decades, I started with transcendental meditation and then, you know, explored other ones. And, but I found that I actually enjoyed it better when I, when I meditated with a group, I used to go to Deepak Chopra's center in New York city when it was open, like during lunch as you know, when I was working at different television shows in that neighborhood in midtown Manhattan, and it really made a difference. And then somehow I decided that I didn't need the groups. I love the energy of that. There's something about the feeling of being in a room with people sure. meditating. Absolutely. Um, but there's definitely something more convenient about doing it alone, yeah. you know, during your any given day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why it's important, right? You and I kind of came up with a, um, like our version of the, the parallel of the uh, Abraham Maslow's sort of pyramid of self-actualization mm -hmm. model toward um, meditation, right? So we kind of use the ladder of people, if, our, if everybody listening just sort of pictures a ladder in front of them, right? And the bottom of the ladder, let's start with like the lowest rung and what that represents in terms of the process of finding I think, practice. So again, I, I like to use my own experience because yeah. at least I know what I've experienced. And uh, this is the beauty of transcendental meditation which was uh, and you know disclaimer i am still a transcendental meditation teacher right so so i have a bias in this area but when maharishi brought out this very ancient vedic technique and the, the tm technique actually goes back four to five thousand years and when he brought that to the west he didn't talk about god he didn't talk about mm. pure consciousness. He didn't talk about, he did start to talk about liberation or enlightenment. The only thing that he talked about is deep relaxation. Right. <laughs> From like one of the greatest master gurus of, right, of modern day meditation, kind of really? Americanizing it for the kids, yeah, right? Yeah, Commercializing absolutely. it a little, because he knew that that would be a nice kind of slow IV drip into society to position that, it that way? That's very good. It was an IV drip. And, and the thing was that he forced us, if we wanted to teach it, to wear suits and ties. <laughs> and at that point, suits and ties was far from my consciousness as China. <laughs> but if you wanted to teach TM, you had to be dressed properly. And the, I get it wow. now. Wow. Because he wanted us to look very professional, very neat and tidy, and talk about relaxation. It was a perfect marketing strategy. <laughs> so genius. <laughs> Looking back now and you think about how much that whole um, that whole introduction, or I guess Yogananda may, might have brought it here first, right? He, but, well, Yogananda was here in the late 30s, 40s, right. and early 50s. And he actually went to the White House right. and brought, brought yoga there to, I, I think, President Herbert Hoover. And uh, Callie knows that the Yogananda Center is right down the street from where I live. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Self-actualization or self-realization so, so, fellowship or whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, so he brought it to the West first. Maharishi was second. Tibetans came in third. <laughs> for Buddhism. <laughs> I just, um, it's interesting though, the idea of having to introduce it in more mainstream ways in order to make it as um, palatable yes. as it was for, you know, the, the mother countries that have, that really initiated the practice, you know? Right. Um, so we were, but we were good. So do you want to talk about the latter? Just yeah. sort of starting kind of at head ego and how, and just sort of the graduation of where um, a practice like meditation can take you and this um, being an offering to everybody out there that um, just as an incentive or a reason why this type of um, consideration can be really beneficial to your life. I think there, there would be no one in the audience who wouldn't relate to deeper relaxation. Right, exactly, right. And, and also then, probably no one who could, no one on the planet that couldn't benefit. But again, you have to want to do it. You have to want to do it. Right. So the next one is the release and relief of stress. 
Mm. So what they found with transcendental meditation is that during the 20 minutes of meditation, a person is getting qualitatively the same type of rest as the sixth hour of deep sleep, mm, which is the deepest sleep that we get in a night. Which hour? Sixth hour. And the sixth hour is the deepest hour? Yep. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Now, if you wake up at the fifth hour, we could <laughs> say the fourth hour was the deepest. Okay, good. That's more my speed. <laughs> we don't want to leave anybody out. Right, exactly. Then the release of anxiety, uh, being less reactive. Mm -hmm. But then we get to the kind of goodies. Yeah, we cross and over the threshold where it's not just about like the... I want, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just thinking yeah. about when, when I first started, um, TM was introduced when I was working at the Dr. Oz show. And they were um, kind enough to uh, bring in some of the, the TM um, from the David Lynch Foundation to our staff to introduce us. And the teacher went around the room and said, what is everybody's intention? Like, why do you want to meditate? And most people said, because I want to relax. I want to calm down. I want to, you know, function better. I want to tame my, tamp down my anxiety. And I said, I want to have, um, I want to increase my intuition and ha have a, like a louder relationship with my higher self. And everyone looked at me a little bit crooked, but um, that's sort of where we're going now with this, these next runs. Once you get in, you know, a little beyond the, uh, the more um, concrete physiological ones, you start moving toward the ones you're about to introduce. Yeah. And so the ones I'm about to introduce are um, in a way dependent on the ones we just talked about. Right. So as you get deeper relaxation, as your body releases more stress, as you find yourself less anxious and less fearful, other energies are freed, and that's really the term for it, uh, to be experienced. And so some of those energies would be, would be increased energy. And actually increased energy happens right from the beginning. Mm. So when I teach people to meditate, invariably they're saying, I feel more energy in the first couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it's really true. I mean, you feel it. I do. I could be so tired and so unslept. And if I just spend, you know, my 20 minutes, I do twice a day. Uh, it really, it really helps. Does you it? really feel it right afterwards. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not paying you to say this. I'm not, but why are you getting... Um, are you getting some kickbacks from uh, David Lynch Foundation or I'm getting meditation, Meditators from the, Anonymous? From the TM group. Okay, good. Glad somebody is. <laughs> so uh, there'll be increased energy and then you'll have experiences of thoughts slowing down. You won't have as many thoughts during the day. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Remember that? <laughs> How many there were? This is one of your favorite statistics. What was it? 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day we humans have on average, which Amazing. is really uncanny, man. That's really, really hard to fathom because right. who's counting? Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's kind of a train wreck, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it is. It's true. And I'll add something else that I didn't mention. What's that? 80% of the thoughts are repeated excellent <laughs> perseverating our specialty absolutely ocd stuff mm -hmm. then there is an increase in intuition which you mm -hmm. were talking about and imagination uh a feeling of what i call moving toward the heart out of the head right because now we're freed to go from this very heavy gridlock in our brains of restlessness with 80,000 thoughts a day mm -hmm. to a more sublime, quiet, silent, calm self. And there are less thoughts there, obviously. And then as that dawns, we begin to experience pure consciousness. We can begin to experience compassionate detachment. We can talk about all of these things. One of your favorite terms. Yes, it is. And then uh, we can talk about what it means to be liberated or enlightened. Mm. The yeah, latter. It's, yeah, it's really, and who doesn't want that? 
Um, yeah, I love that. I love that ladder. It is sort of a graduation from head to heart, which I believe it was the Buddha that says that is the longest road, right? Between yes. from head from head to heart. Yes. Um, so, and the idea is that there is a physiological something going on here. This isn't just sort of our woo-woo, you know, kind of um, empirical assessment. You know, you really do start to change the wiring in your brain, the neuroplasticity, because, you know, I like to say that word, and actual space starts to cumulatively develop. You start to create more space around your thoughts. You start to create more space around your reactivity. And then with that, a lot of different, you know, it makes space for other beautiful things to come in. I think that's probably sort of the, um, you know, the, the, the quick bottom line. So we're talking about your daily practice. Um, we've mentioned some of the most, uh, you know, popular and probably obvious forms of daily practice, um, and just talked a little bit about why it's important. Um, before we go further into the, the the depth of it and the different ways that our practice has impacted mine and Steve's life, let's take our first caller today. I think we have Lisa on the line. Hello, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi. Where are you calling Hi. from? Hi. I'm calling from L.A., and I have two questions. I think that you may, in like the last five minutes, have answered the first one. Um, I've been meditating for several years, and sometimes I feel the meditation is relaxing, but I really don't know if I've gotten very far. And I was wondering, how do I know that the meditation is working? And I feel that that you've answered that in a huge way in the past um, five minutes. Another part of my question was, how can I enhance my experiences? Enhance your meditation experiences or your experiences in life in general? (laughs) No, no. Harder question to answer. (laughs) Meditation experiences. Yeah. Um, well, first, I <laughs> just wanted to give you the opportunity, not that we can help with all these things, but wanted to make sure we were clear. Um, you know, first, just going back to your first question, even though um, we we hopefully answered that for you, I think it, it reminds me of that analogy that um, I, I have, I've had, I had an old, a therapist have said it to me. I had somebody bring it up with me recently for another reason, that it's almost like running uh-huh. a marathon or like when you're working out at the gym you know, that day that you leave the gym, do you feel a significant difference or do you look back in a few days or a few weeks or a few months and notice the difference? You know, I think it's important not to put like a judgment or expectations on a practice, especially because I think the whole purpose of it is just to get quieter and more present with as little pressure on yourself as possible. And um, and also, I think the other piece is to learn self-compassion inside of these exercises, too. I can talk a little bit more about that a little later in the show. Um, But I... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you have something else you wanted to add? Me? No. I said, yes, please talk about the self-compassion more. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely. Well, we can we can um, get into that because I think that daily practice is an amazing and beautiful opportunity to do that, whether it's like what I was saying earlier about yoga and how, oh, my gosh, you know, because everyone comes up with so many reasons not. For me, yoga is so uncomfortable for my body because I'm horribly inflexible And so my body doesn't want to do half the things that I'm instructed to do, but I give it permission most of the time when I'm not frustrated, which I do get, um, that I'm just happy that I showed up. And same with meditation. You know, there are days when it's a more crowded brain. There are days where you criticize yourself because it didn't go well. And I think that those are all opportunities in that space that you're gifting yourself every day to just to to allow for whatever. To me, that is where the self-compassion is. But I'd like to hear Steve talk to how you can enhance your experience a little bit more deeply. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. But what I'd like to say to Lisa is that uh, this idea of giving yourself uh, 10 or 15 minutes of quiet every day, I, I think is a beautiful punctuation in life. And many of us don't do that. Um, in terms of the result, there there are always results. It's very interesting that I, I told Callie before the show that there are about 5,000 pieces of research on transcendental meditation. And I think that, that could spill over generally into other types of meditation, depending on what you're doing. But what it shows is a uh, increasingly healthy physiology. 
an increasingly healthy kind of uh, brainwave activity. Um, so think of this, even if you're not having specific experiences, um, the idea is that you're taking silent moments out of your life and you're also enhancing your physiology, your health, uh, your neurons are being fired in, in very beautiful ways. And as Callie says, you, you may be increasing your ability to have self-compassion. And I think that what we'll do is should we have her hold on the line and I can come back and talk about enhancing meditation because I think we're getting toward a commercial break. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about 30 more seconds. Okay. So the enhancement part is really, really cool. Um, the first thing I would say, and I don't, I've been teaching meditation for a long time. And the first thing I would say, and then I'll finish after the break, is that the question is, are you giving yourself sacred time when you're not answering the phone, uh, doing other busy work, and making it very, very special for you? So with that, we're going to continue the conversation on our daily practice, and we will talk to you in just a minute. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, everybody, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about your daily practice different versions of practice, why it's important. We've talked about sort of the ladder to enlightenment, starting in the kind of early stages of uh, meditation or any kind of practice. And as you climb the rungs and commit a little bit more deeply, the different ways and um, it can show you more um, benefits. And we have our caller, Lisa, still with us on the line. We were talking about, Steve was starting to talk about ways that you can enhance your practice experience, right? Yeah, so um, the idea is if you want to make the time, but as I told Callie the other day, when we meditate, we create more time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I think my voice just changed. Sorry. Yeah. And so uh, for Lisa, creating a daily ritual, I think, would be a beautiful thing where you light some candles, you might do a tad bit of yoga or a little bit of breathing, pranayama, and you can find that breathing anywhere on YouTube, and set it up as a very special uh, event for yourself. And as you're moving into the space of meditation, think of something that makes you very grateful in your life or fills you with love. Because if you're grateful or filled with more love, you're meditation experience can be enhanced in that way. So I would say that would be a good thing to try out. I love the idea of creating a ritual or ceremony. Lisa, are you uh, somebody who enjoys a little bit of ceremony? Oh, yeah, I love that. I love the idea of a candle or (laughs) even lighting a a stick of incense outside, you know, in the garden beforehand. Mm -hmm. And, and I love what you said that when we meditate, we create more time. Isn't that amazing? It's not because that's often the one of the primary reasons, one of the uh, reasons people decide not to commit to a practice is, you know, in addition to what I said, oh, my body doesn't like yoga or my brain's too busy or everything else is more important or I don't have the time. And that's exactly the reason that we advise starting a practice because it actually 
enhances stretches time. And that's why people are actually with the research study they've done lately on mindfulness, what they're finding is that people are more effective at work. They're more effective at work because they have more presence. More presence actually means outside of time. Not being present means being whipsawed by future <laughs> ideas, future thoughts, past feelings of remorse, the millions of thoughts that we have every day. So while you're meditating, you're actually slowing the mind down, creating more space. And in that space, there's more presence and effectiveness. And you could say if, uh, something interesting here. If you were fully, fully present, you probably wouldn't have many thoughts at all. You just be fully present to the moment. Sounds like you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lisa, for joining us today. We hope that helps with your uh, spiritual toolbox a little bit, a little bit further. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Nice to hear from you. Um, so let's talk about some of the reasons. Well, I guess I kind of already did the reasons that people don't make the time. You know, let, let's do this instead because I think this is pro hopefully more valuable. Just um, going riffing a little bit more uh, further on ways to use this opportunity and the different experiences that you and I have had on our road to you know mm -hmm. um, enhancing our practice is like you said this to me when we first met, you said it was, a, I'm going to change it a little bit, but it was something to the effect of like, you have to want your enlightenment uh. or you have to want your <laughs> spiritual ride um, as much as a drowning man needs and wants a breath. Right. That's, that's very Tibetan. <laughs> and at the time I thought, I don't want that. I don't, you know, I really, but I've now, you know me well enough to know that it's probably the thing that's the most important, you know, thing for, for me of anything in my life. Um, so I guess you, you knew it before I did. Um, but one of the other things that happens with the self-compassion piece or the, you know, is that, um, like when I'm meditating, it comes in so many different forms because Lisa was asking about the different ways you can enhance your experience. I think it's also allowing what comes that day. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes your brain's uh, crowded, like you're just like observing yep. it and bearing yep. witness. That's part yep. of the practice is just witnessing your experience of practicing, right. And separating yep. yourself out from it rather than attaching to an outcome or an experience. So like there are some days where I could drop in and it's simply just about dropping into an empty, you know, yummy cavernous space. There's other days where I use different exercises and, um, different mini practices. If I'm working on something in particular, a lot of which we've talked about on the show, um, with different energies or shadow sides or whatever. And sometimes, especially when I can't get to another place or if I'm having a particularly tough time, it's only about sending love to myself and celebrating my strength or my ability to soldier through something um, as you well know, um, I'm in a really difficult, this is probably the crankiest I've ever been while we've been doing one of these shows because Are you cranky? extremely fragile and difficult, <laughs> fragile and difficult place because I've got some really rough stuff going on um, with both my parents at the same time, which is just really beating up my sister and I. Um, on so many levels that we've never experienced to this degree, just in that very heightened, magnified and challenging way. And we're really start, <laughs> starting, starting to lose it a little bit. Um, so I'm looking to my practice as my refuge. You know, that's what I've learned. The more you do it, it doesn't become an effortful thing. It becomes like your safe haven, your place to go in some ways, your deepest, best, best, best friend. Um, because it's always with you and it's always reliable and it doesn't require anything than just sitting and tapping in. And that's something that's deepened so much for me over the last several years is remembering how, um, how, how much, what's the word that I'm looking for? Just how rich and reliable it is. You know, at first it's just a thing. It's an activity. You discipline yourself to do it. Sometimes you don't feel like it. You hear you're going to have benefits. And then as it starts to grow and that kind of refuge really makes more space inside of your center, it becomes like calling your best friend. 
you know? And so I've been relying on it a lot um, for a lot of reasons, but especially lately. And I have to say on a lot of days like today, it doesn't even work. And that's a whole other piece when your daily practice doesn't work for you, when it's not taking you to, you know, when it's not bringing you more peace or um, when you can't lean into it to the degree that you hope to. And on those days, you're just going to have to go with it and accept that that's the deal. It's not, you know, it's not a magic, um, it's not magic fairy dust every day either, but it Absolutely. certainly has the potential to be more than most things yeah. do. Right. Absolutely. When did you first realize your, um, some of your more transcendent experiences from committing to a practice. Okay. <laughs> well, you have a lot of stories. I know. I know. Should I tell my most dramatic one? Yes, please. So I had been meditating about a year and a half. And uh, I went to my Orca, Spain, which is a beautiful island. And I was meditating there with Maharishi. And I there was, I was with Maharishi Mahesh, because I just like when you say that. <laughs> and one day when I was sitting in my bed, this very powerful vibration came over me. I was sitting in my bed meditating. And all of a sudden, I was watching myself meditating from the ceiling. And uh, I thought I should really be freaked out right now. But I wasn't. And I shot through the ceiling into the sky. And I was traveling through the sky and the sky became dark and you could see all the stars. And I, I went, I was going at what you could call thought speed, faster than light in a way. And uh, I wound up at this barrier and I think it's the same barrier they talk about in the near-death experiences, mm. where if you go further, there's a choice point there. Mm -hmm. And if you go further, you leave your body behind and you take your death or your rebirth. And if you don't go further, you kind of call back because you have more stuff to do on your mission. And so I was called back. And on the way back, I was completely overtaken by the absolute glorious beauty of the earth. And uh, I've often said that I'd, I would have started crying, but I had no eyes to cry <laughs> with and I had no body. I was just pure spirit sailing through cosmic space. And uh, after the earth came on board, then I got closer and closer. I saw Spain come up on the map, <laughs> as you would, from those space flights. And then I, I kind of crashed through the hotel roof somehow, wound up in my body, and the body was vibrating even more. I opened my eyes, and I had never felt that relaxed, alive, vital in my entire life. And that happened in the first year and a half of wow. meditation. So the question is, why in the world would you choose to come back when you're, I mean, I know that's a silly question, I know. but you know, it's sort of, we joke about that, like who in the world, what's, which, what soul and spirit would choose to come down here and deal with all this stuff when you can have that? Most spirits. But we do go through that question in mm. the near-death experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I think I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. But then, then a well, being of light comes and goes, right. no, you're well, not. Not yet. And yet, most importantly, you beat Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos to space and did it with very different resources. I did, and you and know at what? A younger age. That's I what I'm saying. I passed the 60-mile mark. <laughs> So what would you say, because that sounds really delicious, you know, we've had, we've all, not we've all, but a lot of us have had little versions, little tastes, often prompted by, you know, psychedelic drug experimentation. I've had little versions of that. Um, but what, to what do you attribute that? Because you have a lot of those stories. So in some ways, I think you're, you know, you're, you're designated as one who's supposed to have these experiences too. Yeah, I have a special badge. <laughs> you do. You have stripes on your shoulder, too. <laughs> um, 
the, the first answer is I don't know. The second answer is that in, in a metaphysical way, I was primed early on to give myself to spirit. And I think it was a, my soul's doing because what it did for me, and it happened when I was 12 as well in a different way, but what it did for me was to give me the sense that I was more than my body. Right. That I was a spirit unbounded, infinite, able to go faster than light. And I was intrigued by who I really was that was covered by my humanity. Mm, beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah, those are not easy things to articulate. And while most people are, you know, you could buy whatever ticket at Disney World, that's probably not going to be the experience you're going to have. <laughs> For a lot of us, it might not be, it's very aspirational or not. But I think the way we can kind of ground that story as being a, um, like an extreme example of sort of heightened multidimensional experience um, is that all of these things we're talking about today are tools that can contribute to moving in that direction, even if we, you know, this, the stories won't necessarily match the one that you just shared, right? I mean, because again, it all has to do with like sort of um, getting out of the weight and the density of our bodies, of our daily activities, of our challenges, of what earth school throws at us all the time, and continuing to be more deeply in touch with our deeper and more true essence, which is a very difficult thing to do when you're here on planet earth. Right. And so what we're talking about is that thing I mentioned to Lisa, which is our true self, which we begin to uncover through meditating, through mindfulness, through yoga, through prayer. We begin to uncover something that is infinite. We begin to uncover what Deepak Chopra calls the quantum field. Right. And in, we are all connected in that way. And the quantum field, we could say, is pure consciousness. And that pure consciousness is at the center of all of us. So everybody has that opportunity. You don't have to imagine it. It lives in you. It's just separate from you until you're no longer separate from it. Right. And it's really not separate from you until you stop believing the separateness, right. if we want to quibble about the semantics. And all of these tools are meant to remind us that we're not separate from that energy. We're just convinced that we are. We've convinced ourselves that we are. Mm -hmm. I just have to listen to my own brilliant advice and I'll be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so a few other analogies that come to mind as um, we try to introduce this to people that might be a little less familiar with this language or these types of practices. One of the other things that I was taught, like the first class when the TM um, teacher came into um, our office and was giving us some analogies for the benefits, he talked about just picture yourself as, picture the, um, like the ocean, you know, the ocean has waves at the top surface, which is how we all operate day to day with our waves and movement and currents. And then as you meditate, you start dropping down more deeply and deeply to, you know, below, well below the ocean's top surface where things get quieter and more peaceful and more still. And it's just, um, it's a good way to kind of remember what, um, what's in front of you if you decide to play with any of these ideas. Yep. Perfect. Right? I love that analogy. Yeah. It's a good one. Not mine. Um, yeah, it's an old Indian adage. Oh, is it the, uh, the ocean? Yeah, the ocean, the ocean really comes from the uh, some of the old Vedic texts. Because mm -hmm. the other one, too, that I've been reading a lot about lately has to do with when we speak about the oneness of all things, because I often try to come up with visual, um, it's a visual metaphor, visual analogy in my mind to help me with my own practice so that I can really believe things on days when I'm having a harder time believing the bigger purpose and the higher messages is that... Um, you know, we're all drops, like we're all waves on the, this is separate from the one I just said, it just happens to be another ocean analogy, but that we're all, our individuality are all waves, separate waves, but ultimately we're part of the same big fell swoop of body yes. and water. 
And so if you can just, um, you know, try to play with that or come up with your own analogy, it's a good way of remembering that really we're all in this together. We're all capable of having the same experience that you're describing. We're all on different trajectories and in different kind of curriculums, self, you know, self-created curriculums that will well, take if, us to different levels on different days, right? If we push this a little further, because you're getting me excited. Please do. Um, in as much as your one drop of that one drop contains the whole ocean, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's a it's a big drop and a small drop. It is. Yeah, beautiful. So let's talk quickly before we get to our action steps because I made reference to this. You know, there's a lot of people. This is a big trend now. We had a show on this several weeks back about psychedelics and experimentation with growing and opening your consciousness, um, in, in ways that are more, um, extreme trips to the Peru, you know, to the Amazon to do ayahuasca, microdosing, psychedelic therapy, maps programs with MDMA and, um, psilocybin. Um, you and I had a conversation about this very early on because this is something that's been on my, we've both experimented a lot over you know the years, maybe not in a long time with, um, with all of most of the aforementioned, and I've been thinking about it again a lot lately because there's parts of me that wants to kind of break through in a in a bigger way. But I think it's also important to bring up your theory about how those are great resets or great sort of like starters, springboards, but not sustainable in the way that a daily practice is. The daily practice is sort of the thread and the glue, isn't it, for some of those? Well, yeah. Well, um, reference what I spoke about before, that when you're meditating, you're refining your physiology over time. Mm -hmm. You're releasing stress. You're releasing density. You're bringing in more light. But that's a a time-bound process. Uh, When you're doing uh, psychedelics, you're basically pushing through that at high rates of speed, pushing through the ego especially, and it's a wonderful opportunity to open up to the possibilities and potential of you and your relationship to the oneness of creation. Right. But sustaining that isn't really possible through hallucinogenics. As a matter of fact, if you use them too often, it convinces the psychology that you don't have what it takes to do it yourself. Mm. Oh, right. That's right. It just it kind of takes away your own. You, you feel like you're not empowered on your own to do it's it with your own It's tools. just like if you yeah. take vitamins. If you take vitamin B for too long, what, <laughs> <laughs> what begins happening is the body says, I don't have to produce vitamin B. Right. Because this guy is doing it for me. And I'm basically lazy, so I'm not going to do it anymore. So the physiology has its own kind of animated uh, mind and heart. And it will say, huh, I don't know if I can do this. He keeps doing it with these very high-powered drugs. Maybe I'm not capable. So that's an important thing to think about. Yeah, definitely interesting. So it can be a great springboard. It can be a great reset. Um, for many years, it's been a long time since it's been 20, 25 years since I've done any of these drugs. Um, but for many years, it's waned now. I still had that frame of reference. I could still do a little method memory about certain moments that I was holding on to that were like for, uh, reference points for me. I feel like I need that again, which is why I'm thinking about, well, I talk about it a lot. We'll see if I really do any of it. I'm trying to get Steve to, 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 to do it with me, but that hasn't gone very well so far. Side, <laughs> sidebar. So with our action steps um, today, these are ones that are uh, just to get you thinking about the idea of a, of a daily practice, maybe to consider it a little bit more committally. The first one would be to spend 15 minutes writing a few lines about what you'd gain from adopting a daily practice. Are you looking to tamp down your anxiety? Are you looking to become more effective, um, less anxious? Just think about what it is that maybe um, you're interested in changing that you could benefit from. I can you add in the front. something to that. Yes. The first two weeks are the hardest. Mm. If you can get through pushing yourself and willing yourself for the two weeks, after that, it gets a lot easier. Mm, good point. Like breaking a habit or adopting yeah. a new habit, right? Um, and then, right, then you start to feel the yumminess of it because you it's betcha. not always fun. 
Uh, and I still get like that sometimes where while I'm meditating, like, oh, what time is it? Is it time to go do whatever? Oh, wow. You know, it still, it still happens. <laughs> um, second one is find one practice to explore and consider. So you could go online and check out YouTube videos on Muji, as Steve suggested earlier. We're just naming one um, teacher that Steve's very fond of, but it could be just dipping around YouTube and, you know, looking for um, a video that might be interesting to watch and listen to for some inspiration finding a guided meditation. There's a whole plethora of those online too, in case it's not, it's not, it feels more comfortable and easy for you to do that than to summon up the meditation gods on your own. Um, find a mindfulness practice. If you just put that kind of a keyword in, that's also an easy way to access. And then finally pick something and devote five minutes a day to your new practice. Just five minutes. Anybody has, we can all find five minutes you'll probably quickly realize how you want the five minutes to become six and 10 and 15 and 20 and whatever. Steve now meditates. I think each time he meditates, he floats on clouds like two hours at a time or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. But you meditate for like 45 minutes each time you meditate, right? Half hour to 40 you had minutes. A, yeah, maybe I think you had to remove a little meditation. I think it was going I was doing a little I, too much I to you, right? I couldn't back get back to life. Right. <laughs> um, so again, just to repeat, um, spend 15 minutes a day writing a few, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not a day. Spend 15 minutes uh, writing a few lines about what you'd gain from adopting a daily practice. Find one practice to explore and consider, whether it's a guided meditation, um, type in the word mindfulness on YouTube, look for a teacher that you might have heard about, perhaps a book. There's probably a meditation for dummies out there. I don't know for sure. I wouldn't doubt it. Yes, there um, is. And then finally devote five minutes a day to your new practice and see how it goes. See if it's something that... Um, the odds are you will want to do it more and not less, right? We wage our bets on that. I'd say bets are on. So, yeah, I think that, um, we'd like to hear from you. It might be an interesting, one of our one soul challenges to have anybody that adopts any of these action steps to share with us or call us, um, for future shows and let us know how you're doing with all of it. So with that, we want to thank everybody. As always, you all mean so much to us. Thank you for joining us, for listening, for calling in, for sharing your thoughts, even silently as you join us at a distance. Um, if you want to find this podcast for posterity, it's on Unity Online Radio Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at One Soul Radio, on Facebook at One Soul Radio Podcast. Please engage. Let us know any topics or issues you're having, questions you might have that we can answer. Next week, I love this topic. Our show is The Mirror of Relationships, how your primary romantic and friendship relationships can be your greatest opportunities to learn. How's that for a tea? So we will be here same time, same place. Enjoy your week. Thanks, Bye. everyone. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.